Hello and welcome. My name is Hannah. Welcome to the Living from the Overflow podcast. I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Um, Unlike most weeks, I don't really know (laughs) where this conversation is going to go. I just have a verse today from Romans that I want to walk through together and invite the Holy Spirit in as we do so. So before we dig into the Word, let's spend some time in prayer inviting the Holy Spirit into this conversation. Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much that the Word of God is alive and active, that even though heaven and earth will fade away, that your Word, God, never fades away, and that your Word never returns to us void or empty or purposeless. And so we just thank you right now for the gift that you have for us in your Word. Help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to be open to what it is that you want to reveal today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, I'm pretty excited. It's almost Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. I think Christmas is such a beautiful time of the year. However, for a lot of people, it can be also an incredibly hard time of the year. I know for a couple of years after the death of our son, I um, was pregnant with my fourth and we lost him halfway through my pregnancy with him. Nothing was fun that year. Thanksgiving was hard. Christmas was hard. New Year's was hard. Valentine's Day was hard. I mean, you get it, right? Every single holiday was really hard because it just highlighted my loss. And it just seemed to exaggerate that what I felt should have been there and what I expected to be there wasn't there. And people around me were happy. People around me were carrying on with their normal everyday lives. And here I was stuck, completely, hopelessly stuck. And so I really didn't care for Christmas for a couple of years. And so if you're in that place, you're like, great, she's going to be maybe talking about Christmas today. I already don't want to listen to this. I encourage you to just hang around for a couple more minutes to see if maybe the Holy Spirit wants to do a healing and redemptive and transformative work in your heart today, because you never know when we open the word, what it is that he wants to do. So today I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. These verses became an incredible lifeline for me as I was navigating the trenches of grief, as I was trying to keep my head above the waves of grief as they would come, and as I was trying to walk in some sort of new state of normalcy when everything around me seemed everything but normal. So without further ado, Romans 5 one through five, again, and reading from the CSB version. It's the version I've been in for a couple of months now. And as I'm reading through the Bible, um, it's the version that I will be in for quite a few more months. So again, the CSB version, Romans 5, one through five says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, the word of God. So I love this passage for many reasons. A different version says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and that's just a churchy word for being made right. As soon as we enter into a relationship with God, this passage reminds us that we're made right. 
were made right by what Jesus did on the cross for you, for me, for all of us, if we just believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's the Son of God, and he is the one and only way to heaven. So right off the gates, Paul's letting us know in the beginning of this chapter, it's important that we know that we are made right. There is nothing more you and I can do. There's nothing less you and I can do to be made right with God, and that includes grief. That includes anger. That includes bitterness. That includes depression. It includes anxiety. It includes whatever weakness or shortcoming or hardship that is upon you right now. There is nothing about what you are going through that can take away from the truth that you are made right with God if you are a child of God. And I know for me, when I was in the depths of my grief, like truly just barely making it, like at the time my oldest was five and she was helping me navigate the day in, day out normalcies of life, making meals, getting snacks for my other two kids, cleaning up the house, remembering to shower, like literally my five-year-old was taking care of me. And even in that, there was nothing more I could do and there was nothing less I could do to be made right with God because that had already been taken care of. But I think sometimes when we're going through difficulties that take an immense mental or emotional or even physical toll on us, we can get confused in our thinking that if we somehow could do better or be more in the right areas, that we would be more right with God. Or we somehow think that maybe if we weren't so anxious and if we weren't so depressed and if we weren't so angry that we could somehow be made more right with God, then it takes on this tone of shame and it takes on this tone of embarrassment and it takes on a tone of workspace faith that just absolutely isn't ours to take on as children of God. So if you find yourself approaching Christmas and a lot of your thoughts are, man, I should be feeling this way or I should be doing this or I wish I would have done this differently or I wish I was in this different place, I want to pause here and challenge you by asking you, how is that affecting your relationship with God right now? As we approach the gift that is Christmas, the Savior of the world was born to finally fulfill all the prophecies of the Savior coming to us so that we might have a genuine day-in, day-out relationship with God that's not based on rules. How is how you think of yourself and what you should be or shouldn't be doing, how is that affecting your view of God? How is that affecting, affecting your understanding of your relationship with God? How is that affecting your ability to accept the truth that Jesus loves you just as you are and there is nothing more and there is nothing less you could ever do for him to love you more? I don't really think we take enough time in our normal lives, in our daily routines to really assess are the thoughts I'm thinking actually in line with what I believe? Is what I'm thinking actually benefiting my belief system? Is what I'm thinking in line with God's view of me? Because I think a lot of us would venture to say that we don't actually live like we're made right with God. We live with a lot of shame or a lot of pride or a lot of works-based thinking that suggests we have to do the heavy lifting we have to do more of the right things and less of the wrong things to actually be loved by God and made right with him. And that's just not true. Verse one goes on to say that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
at this time of the year, you know, peace on earth, that's all anybody wants. But what about peace in our own hearts? What about peace in our own minds? What about peace within our own four walls of the places we call home? Or what about peace within our workplace? What about peace within our vehicle when, when we're having a meltdown or it's the only time of the day we actually allow ourselves to cry or to, to process feelings because it's a safe place for us or no one else can see it? Is there peace there too? Well, according to Romans 5.1, yeah. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have peace in our relationship that we've been made in right standing with him. But also we have peace with God. We can't have peace without God. We can only have peace with God. And so if you're somebody who, like me, is an internal and also an external processor. <laughs> so anyways, I think that a lot of times we find ourselves in a place of no peace because we're not inviting God into the conversation, right? Like we're just having our own thoughts. We're just having our own conversations, but we're not inviting him in. And one of the easiest ways we can invite God into the conversation that we're either having with somebody or an internal conversation we're having with ourselves in our head, one of the easiest ways we can invite God in is by asking him a question. Lord, what do you say about this? Lord, I feel really anxious right now. What is this anxiety trying to tell me? Will you show me? Or, um, man, Lord, I just, this verse keeps coming to my mind. Um, the other day for me, it was Jeremiah 29, 11, which is the verse that says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. And it seems so random to me. This verse just kept coming to my mind on repeat. And finally, I was just like, Lord, do you have plans you want to show me? And sure enough, the Lord had something he wanted to download into my heart. I think a lot of times we think that we think our thoughts are random or they serve no purpose or it's just a random loop that we keep replaying. But actually, a lot of the time, it could be the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of us. It could be God trying to show us a, a thought pattern that needs to go so that his peace can reign. And sometimes it's the enemy trying to influence our thoughts so that he can influence our lives. But if we don't take the time and intentionality to recognize that maybe the Lord is trying to speak to us or maybe the Lord wants to free us of something in our minds, we will not have peace. Romans 5, 1 says we can have peace with God because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So we can have peace in the sense of, yes, I have peace. I know where I'm going when I die on this earth. I know I'm crossing over into heaven with the Lord and I'm so thankful for that. But also you and I can have peace in the right here, in the right now, when we start inviting God into our thought process, into our feelings, and into the way we speak to others and in the way we talk with others. You know, I have a friend who, it just blows me away every single time. We'll be talking, and I can see that she's, she's thinking, and she's like, you know what, hold on, let's just pray and ask the Lord about this. And I'm like, that's a great idea, let's do that. And our conversations always take a turn. Our conversations always have more clarity after that. Our conversations always turn and are more peaceful, are more Holy Spirit driven. And it never ceases to amaze me that just a simple, even a five second, Lord, you come in and show us what to do. Will you come in as we process through this? Will you come in and give us wisdom and clarity and the paths we're supposed to take? Will you show that to us? Because he will every single time. He will answer those prayers. He will either answer them instantaneously or he will honor the repeated perseverance in pursuing the Lord in that way. And he will show us in his perfect time and perfect way. We just have to keep asking and keep inviting him and keep being with him. 
for his peace to reign. Romans 5.2 goes on to say, We have also obtained access through him, through Jesus, by faith, into this grace in which we stand. Again, this goes back to like, our, what does this even mean real time, right? What, what does this have anything to do with Christmas? What does this have to do with peace? What does this have to do with being justified? It has everything to do with being justified, and it has everything to do with walking in peace, and it has everything to do with walking in the hope that is ours in the Christmas season, whether or not we're happy. When we understand that Jesus granted us faith through grace, that we get to stand in right now, everything changes because it takes the burden off of us. It takes the pressure off of us. It takes the weight off of us to perform perfectly. It takes the weight off of us to speak perfectly. It takes the weight off of us to know exactly what to do in every situation at just the right time and in just the right way. Because God is not a works-based God. If he was, there would be no need for grace. If he was, there honestly wouldn't be any need for faith because we would just be following a bunch of rules and we would know that one plus two equals three and that after A comes step B, comes step C, comes step D and that if we just follow the formula, we'll eventually get to the end of the line and everything will be fine. That's not faith. That's, that's, not, that's not faith. That's following a book of instructions where you know the outcome and it takes all the guesswork out of it. It takes all of the work out of it. And the, the work for you and I is surrendering. The work for you and I is trusting. The work for you and I is letting go of control. That's the work we're actually called to do. We're not actually called to work in such a way that exhausts us or work in such a way where we feel like being made right with God and having good faith is all on us. Faith is a gift of God. It's not something you and I can curate on our own because if we could, then we could walk around as prideful people saying, I figured it out. I have figured out the secret to faith. I have figured out how to, how to always have faith and never doubt and never distrust the Lord. God literally says faith is a gift from God, not by works so that anybody can boast because the only thing we're supposed to boast in is the glory of God. The only thing we have any right boasting in is the glory of God. Of God. When we start boasting in ourselves, we become our own God. And that's, that is not the life we're called to live. We're called to live in the faith that was a gift through Jesus because of the grace you and I get to stand in, in every single day. I don't think we really realize the level of grace upon us. You know, in seasons that are hard, in seasons of grief, in seasons where we're working through bitterness or seasons where we're working through anger or seasons where we're just trying to make it to the next paycheck. I don't think we fully realize that it is the grace of God upon our lives that we can even get out of bed. It's the grace of God upon our lives that we can smile and find something to laugh about throughout the day. It's the grace of God upon our lives to continue to look to him to be our inner source of strength our inner source of hope and peace. Literally, apart from grace, we can do nothing. When we separate ourselves from God and we, we step out of the covering of grace, we will not be able to move forward in the faith that we have been given. We won't be able to move forward this Christmas season pursuing even a fragment of hope or a fragment of joy. Grace enables us to do far more abundantly than anything you and I could ever do on our own. 
than anything you and I could ever find the strength for, than anything you and I could ever muster up to put on a good face or a good front or a good show for our friends and family. We actually don't have to do that because of the grace that's been made available to us in God. Because remember, there's nothing more we can do and there's nothing less we can do to be made right with God. As soon as we step into relationship with him, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we're already made right. We're already holy and completely loved. And I think it's a truth that we know in our heads, but sometimes we have a hard time transferring that knowledge from our heads to our hearts. You know, and one of, scientifically, here's where I'm going to like get a little nerdy on you guys, one of the best ways that we can transfer head knowledge to heart knowledge is just by declaring it out loud. Literally every day, 10 to 30 times a day, I challenge you to say out loud, according to Romans 5.1, there is nothing more and nothing less I can do to be made right with God. I'm already made right with him. He says I'm good to go. And I think it's important that we recognize that because so often we can get it mixed up in our minds that we have to be this certain image or produce these certain things to continue to be in right standing with God. But that's not true. God will call us on journeys toward growth. God will call us on journeys toward healing. God will call us on journeys toward maturity. But it's really important that we recognize that he does the heavy lifting because of the grace he has upon our lives, the grace he gives us over our lives. We don't, we don't have to figure it out on our own. We just have to stay with him to have peace and insight and the knowledge to know how to move forward. So when we move on in verse 2, we see that we're called to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And I really like this verse because sometimes there's not a whole lot of things to hope for on this side of heaven, especially if you're navigating significant loss, especially if you're navigating significant failure, especially if you're navigating significant disappointment. There's often not a lot to hope for on this side of heaven. But that's not the kinds of things we're called to hope for. We're called to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The one thing that never changes, the one thing that never wavers, the one thing that never fails is the glory of God. It is always present it is always reigning. It is always supreme. It is always sovereign. It's why we're called to find our joy in the hope of the glory of God. And the hope of the glory of God was realized when Jesus Christ was born into this world. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about recognizing that the Savior of the world came in less than ideal circumstances, born into less than ideal financial situations, and yet he was the savior of the world and he brought the glory of heaven to earth. And we get to rejoice in that kind of hope. In the kind of hope that says, I really truly believe that the best is yet to come. I really truly believe that God is going to see me through this. I really truly believe that even though I can't see it, even though I can't perceive it, and even though I don't feel it, I know that the glory of God is going to prevail in this situation. The Bible says so. And that is the word of truth I'm standing on today. I'm not standing on the truth of my, the truth, the perceived truth of my feelings, because our feelings often lie to us. Our feelings, oh, even if our feelings are real, right? Even if they're appropriate to the situation, often our feelings 
will tempt us to go down thought patterns and go down thought highways in our mind that actually have nothing to do with what's actually true. We have to find the and. I am sad and I know the glory of God reigns in my life. I miss my baby boy. I wish he could be here for Christmas. And I'm rejoicing in the hope I have that he's celebrating Christmas in heaven. I don't know if that's theologically accurate, what your theological beliefs are in that. But for me, it brings me a whole lot of hope to know the author of life, the author of give and the giver of hope that my baby is with him and that my baby is living in perfection and is actually living life far more abundantly than he ever could on this side of heaven. And I think a lot of times we need to flip the script in our mind. Maybe our finances right now are not great. Maybe we have relational turmoil and it's just eating away at us. But we have got to find the and so that we can continue to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God that is available to us right here, right now. We can't just get stuck on one side of the equation or one aspect of the narrative or one portion of the story. There is always more to the story, especially when we bring in the word of God. Paul goes on to say that not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but actually we rejoice in our afflictions because we know our afflictions produce endurance. I, I don't know about you, but like a surface level, I don't really like this verse because it's saying that we're going to have hard times and that we just get to choose our perspective on it. And if we choose the right perspective, we will be able to move forward in strengthening our muscles that enable us to persevere. But if we choose the wrong perspective, we're not going to get anywhere. And we definitely aren't going to get anywhere because we will be walking in hopelessness. But Paul says we are to rejoice in our hardships. We're to rejoice in the challenges of life. We're to rejoice in the less than optimal things. We're to rejoice in the things we don't understand that cause us to worry and fear and be sad or angry or bitter. We're called to look at these opportunities for what they really are. They're really opportunities to grow in our faith. They're opportunities to deny our flesh so that we can say yes to the Holy Spirit and his way of navigating them. They're opportunities to say no to short-sighted thinking and short-sighted thought processing and limited, limited mindsets and to instead say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to look at this from a different angle. How can I grow through this? How can I pursue more of God through this? How can I be a beacon of light for the Holy Spirit in this? How can I be somebody who puts the glory of God on display, even though I am struggling, even though wave after wave is threatening to drown me, even though whatever your even though is, I challenge you to ask yourself the question, how can I bring glory to God through this? Because when we do that, we're able to build perseverance. We're able to endure. And when we're able to endure, our character is sharpened. Our character is refined. And here's where I think we can get being made right with God and being sanctified by God mixed up. So right out of the gate, Paul's like, no, you're made right with God. You are justified with him when you walk in right relationship with him. When you become a Christian and you say, yes, Jesus, I want you to take over, you become right with God. That's a right relationship with God. But Paul is saying later that when we allow our suffering to produce endurance and we allow that endurance to produce character, 
that character is the sanctification, which is just a fancy word of saying all the crap in your heart coming to the surface and being purged. That process of all of our impurities coming to the surface and being cleansed by the Lord, that's sanctification. And that is the process that matures our character. It strengthens our character. It makes our insides become mirrors that reflect, guess what? The glory of God. So we were made and we were created in God's image. And we're also told that the veil was torn so that we could access Jesus for ourselves. We no longer have to enter this special room or have someone else entered on our behalf. We get to go to the Lord ourselves as we are so that we can see and reflect the glory of God in our lives. And that only happens when we walk through hardships with our joy and our hope rooted in the Lord so that our hardships can produce endurance, so that endurance can produce character, and so that character can produce hope, the kind of hope that is steadfast and unwavering because it's not placed in our circumstances and it's not placed in our understanding of our feelings and it's not placed in our own thought processing. This kind of hope never disappoints us because it's rooted in God who never changes, whose strength never runs dry, whose, whose joy, whose zest for life, whose ability to, to renew and restore never runs out. He never tires of doing it. Hope is always available to us by God because of his love that's been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So if you don't feel loved by God, you got to start asking some questions. you got to start asking for some favors. You need to say, Holy Spirit, God said he poured out his love to me through you. Will you become more real to me today than you were yesterday? Holy Spirit, what is blocking my ability to understand and receive your love for me? Holy Spirit, what are you trying to tell me that I'm not taking hold of? I think a lot of times we don't really realize that we can talk to the Holy Spirit just like we talk to God and just like we talk to Jesus. And that we can talk to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit just like we do our friends, just like we do our siblings, our moms, our dads, our husbands, our wives, the people in our lives that are in our inner circle. Because the people that are in our inner circle are people that feel safe, people we feel like we can be vulnerable with, people that we feel like, you know what, I can come to you no matter how I am, and I know you will shoot me straight, I know you'll give me compassion, and you'll shoot me straight. But I think a lot of the times we place more trust in the people in our inner circle than we do in our Heavenly Father, who loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for us, who loved us so much that He poured out His love to us through the Holy Spirit. And I'm a big question asker, in case, in case you haven't caught on to that. I love asking questions because um, John Maxwell says that a curious mind is an, is an expansive mind. Say that 10 times fast. And I think the same is true in our relationship with God. When we come to him with curiosity and we're like, are you trying to tell me something? Or, you know, the Bible says this is true, but like it doesn't feel true to me. So can you show me what I need to do for that to be made true in my, in my heart, not just in my mind? we are expanding our faith. We are expanding what we know, the bounds of our relationship to him, with him to be. We are expanding what we believe he's capable of doing. And if questions are hard for you, I have a really phenomenal resource for you. I have this book. It's called 30 Days of Hope. And you can buy it through my website, which is livingfromtheoverflow.com. Or you can buy it on Amazon if you want a print copy. 
But actually, if you just go to my website and you're like, I need this now. I need to learn how to ask interactive questions with the Lord. I need to learn how, how God can become a closer friend to me than those in my inner circle. Just go to my website and plug in your email and you will be given a free PDF of the entire version of this devotional. So this devotional, 30 Days of Hope, it just walks you through several different passages in the Bible based on hope. And it teaches you how to ask God questions for yourself. And it gives you journaling space. It gives you coloring space as you're reflecting on the things the Lord revealed to you. Because I really believe that when we start coming to God with a heart that says, I believe you're going to show up for me. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I don't really know how. But I believe you're going to show up for me. And I'm willing to do my part in joining hands with you. That guess what? the Lord will show up for us because Jeremiah 33, three says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you the great and unsearchable things you do not yet know. And then we hear, and we read in Ephesians that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or even imagine. And so if we don't really know how to enter into this kind of relationship with God, where there's this dialogue back and forth, where we know we can ask him any question and it doesn't affect our right standing with him, that's okay. There's resources out there for us to help us learn how to do that. And so I just invite you to check that out if you're like, yeah, that would be a really good next step for me to learn how to, to make God a true friend, my best friend, closer than my best friend. Because I don't really think that we can start to grasp and understand the hope that is available to us if we cannot grasp and understand the friendship that is available to us with God our Father. So with that, let me pray for you um, as we enter into Christmas this upcoming week and as we just navigate what can be a really fun time for some of us, but also a really hard time for others. So we bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of hope, and we thank you for showing us in Romans 5, 1 through 5, that hope is not dependent on our circumstances, but rather we can rejoice in the hope of your unwavering and your unchanging and your never failing glory. I pray, Lord, that you would make your glory known in ways that all of us have yet to experience, that we would come to know and believe the love that you have for us, that it would be deeply rooted and embedded in our hearts in a way that changes our lives, that transforms our lives and transforms the lives of those around us. Help us to be willing to step out of our comfort zones this week to pursue more of your love for us. And whether that's um, saying truth-based statements out loud or whether that's getting into your word or whether that's getting into an interactive devotional, Lord, you know exactly what it is that we need to walk more deeply with you, to walk peacefully with you, and to be led by your hope that never disappoints us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a fantastic Christmas season and that more than anything, you truly do know and believe the hope that is available to you because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We'll talk to you next time.